I've got a fan going. Can you hear it? No, but that doesn't mean I won't be able to hear it in the recording. <sighs> yeah. It's so fucking hot in my room. I'm dying. Okay, so I do want to say the wine I got. Yeah. 19 Crimes. Ooh, what is that? The Uprising. Mmm. Aged 30 days in a rum barrel. Ooh. Yes. And it smells very fruity. Ooh, nice. So you might really like this. <laughs> I might actually. Um, my mom got these um what were they? They're they're like corona or something. You got the rona, what? No. Like refreshers. Ooh. And one of them, they're all lime. So there's like passion fruit lime, um, guava lime, and ooh, coconut lime. That is a dark red. And the coconut, ooh. And it's the, like blood. Yeah. And the coconut, <laughs> the coconut lime tastes like a, um, like a pina colada kind of, ooh. but it's fizzy. Yeah. Because there we go. My camera is definitely working. Does it do it every time you walk away? No, because it didn't do it last time. It's just possessed. It's it's okay. Woo. That's fine. Fine. Yeah. I sent you a goes very well. bunch of pictures. Look through those. Uh, today, I am drinking the collection Prosecco. Ooh. Very pretty. Um, Aw. Grace, thanks for your support. Enjoy. Yeah. So, I ordered these soaps from Scrub Happy on um, Etsy. 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 And she sent me... Will you send me the link? Yeah, yeah. I also follow them. I think I followed them on Instagram, too. They sent me this soap extra. A little sliver, a tester. It smells so good. It's like a mixture between, like, smells like zebra stripe gum mixed with Irish Spring. It mainly smells like zebra stripe gum. Okay, I was gonna say, that doesn't sound like a very good scent. No, it just smells clean. Mm, okay. So there's that one. I don't know why I just ripped that out, but... What is her Etsy? Scrub Happy. Scrub Happy. Cause yes. I'm happy, clap along if you feel... Uh, oh right! What was your news that you had to tell me? <laughs> oh gosh, this is a good one. This is good. Okay. Okay, where do I start? From the beginning. Friday night, eleven o'clock. I'm sitting okay. downstairs watching Shira. Okay. Which I thought you were gonna say Avatar, but okay. Okay, so I watched the first two episodes of uh, Avatar, and then I switched to Shira because the I think fifth season came out, and 
Oh my god, you need to watch it. Oh my god. The ending. That's I cried. Netflix. The ending of the fifth oh. season. I, I cried. It was so good. I have to say, until they put Avatar on Netflix, it's I have on, not yeah. touched Netflix in months. I, I'm, I'm on there, like, all the time. I'm not. I go to Hulu. Hulu's oh. my go-to now. Well, like, I switch back and forth. Because there's some things that I really love on Hulu, like Killing Eve, Prodigal Son, um, mm-hmm. The Rookie, um, What We Do in uh, What We Do in the Shadows, Little Fires. I haven't watched it yet. Oh, yeah. It's cute. Um, what else? I watch a lot on there. Also, um, Motherland, Fort Salem. Have you watched it yet? I have not, but I saw the commercials for it the other day. Is it good? Okay. Yeah. The romance. Add it to my list. One of the big romances, I'm not, it's okay. I'm not, like, the biggest fan of it, which is saying something for me, but, um, eh. it's, but it's a good show. I like it. Um, okay. Um. Anyway, she ra. Yeah, so I'm saying. <laughs> Friday night. I'm sitting downstairs in the living room watching She-Ra, um, and I hear, ow, fuck. <laughs> and I hear okay. my dad say, are you okay? And my mom says, no, I cut my oh. hand. Oh. And he said, are you all right? He, she says, no. And I was like, <laughs> fuck. So I got up and I went upstairs my mom's holding her hand closed, and I'm like, and and she's like obviously in pain, and I walk over and I'm like, let me see it, and she's like, I don't want to open. Oh my- <laughs> <Mom, laughs> no! Is she okay? We'll get there. It's a continuing okay. story. Um, well, you'll see. So she opens her hand, blood everywhere. She's like. tell it with a straight face and so there's like blood everywhere she sliced her finger really bad really bad and hospital visit bad yes and she's like i also stabbed my leg what was she doing (laughs) i'll get there so she's like Connor's like freaking out. He's like, "What's going on?" And Mom's like, "I just cut myself. Uh, Grace is gonna take me to the ER. It's gonna be fine." So I go to get pants on, forgetting that I'm not even gonna be able to go inside. I can go in my pajamas. It doesn't matter. But anyway, I get ready. I get her in the car. We get our masks. We go on. And then on the way there, my mom's like, "I'm so mad at myself." And I was like, I mean, I don't even understand how you did it. <laughs> she said, Was she trying to stab a bug? No. No? We got, okay, so, we got this five cube shelf. We put yeah. it on its side, we put legs on the bottom of it, and we made it into a bench. Okay. And then she got this thing of foam to put on top of it to make it into like a nice seat 
and she was using she's she had in one hand all of this in one hand a pair one hand a pair of scissors a knife a um uh an e-cig and a tape measure one thing starts to fall so she goes to oh my god i know where this catch is catch it with her hand and she also lifts up her leg at the same time to stop it which causes her to grip onto the knife and stab herself in the leg <laughs> oh and so we get there what was she drinking She'd had two shots of bourbon. That's it. Okay. <laughs> and so we get we get there. She goes in. I sit out there for a little while. I see two ambulances come in. They don't even unload anybody. Um, that's not important. But she comes out and she... So they gave her four stitches on her finger. And... She, they just like slapped some gauze and some tape on her leg. It went, it went in her leg an inch, at an and angle. Slap gauze on it in her leg, at an angle, at in for an inch in, and they just put gauze on it. And they're like, "All right, you're gonna go, dude. At least get like the um the the liquid they band-aid. were like they were gonna put a strip on it, and. She was like, alright, but then the lady came in and she's like, she looked at it, she's like, ah, that's fine. She like, opened it up a little bit, looked at it, like, pushed it and was like, you're fine. And just slapped it on, tapped her leg, was like, you're good to go. We were in and out in under an hour. Okay. Uh, so that was um, my Friday night. I hope this coming Friday night is not going to be a repeat. Um, no, um, she's already fixed the bench, and it's all good to go. Um, okay, no more holding scissors and knives in the same hand. And trying to catch something it, with said hand. Look, look, she even had the knife upside down so that she wouldn't accidentally <laughs> stab herself. <laughs> oh, look, my mom's so clumsy. I love her. Oh, God. Oh my god. And then when we left, it freaked my brother out because there was there's was so much blood all over the kitchen. It was everywhere on the floor, on the chair, on towels. Hydrogen peroxide. Oh god, so my brother was like, I'm gonna have nightmares. It was good stuff. I was like, Mom, can I tell people this? And she's like, I'm going to anyway. I mean Hey, that's Grace. I'm Rachel. I'm I'm, I'm Grace. That's Rachel. Yeah, just see, that's Rachel. I'm Grace. See, it threw me off. Threw me off. Welcome to the podcast. Yes, we're Myths and Misfortunes, a paranormal and true crime podcast. And that threw me off. Yes. Each week, <laughs> we pick somewhere in the world and base our stories on that place. And or surrounding areas. I, I literally cannot remember if mine is surrounding or not. Um, yours is because I made my I made the history where mine is because <laughs> it, okay, it was so easier. Because yours is like mine is 
definitely surrounding. Yeah, it's like in a smaller, uh, like... It's a little tiny town. Yeah. It was like, I can't even tell you, the Wikipedia was like literally two sentences. Like... Because this is the only thing that happened. Yes. Literally, yes. So... So, where are we today, since I have no idea? We're in Paris, France. Again? <laughs> no, we weren't in Paris before, were we? Oh, no, I went two hours away to Paris, never mind. Yeah, you went to Paris, I did not. I did. I found it extremely hilarious that I did the crime part for both Petty or Petty. Yeah, y- yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because I was thinking about that before, because I was like, did we do Paris? I was like, no, no, we didn't, but, yeah. But Rachel did Paris. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. Okay. Okay. My sources for the history are localhistories.org, and that's it. Okay. I like localhistories.org. It's, like, usually short to the point. Very concise. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I didn't look up how to say some stuff, so... Eh, it's okay. The city of Paris... I should have what? written how to say mine. Oh. Yeah, I mean... So, the city of Paris began in the 3rd century BCE when a Celtic tribe called... This is the part I did not look up. It's Paris I.I. Parisi? Sure. Who knows? Parisi. Paris? Like the Pokemon. <laughs> per- per- mm, I'm so sorry. I'm genuinely sorry. Hold on. I'm gonna look it up. Parisii. Or Parisi. 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 We'll say that. Um, Parisi. Alright, so the city of Paris began in the 3rd century BCE when a Celtic tribe called the either Parisii or Parisi built a fortified settlement on the Ile de la Cité. Cité, sure. Cité. Yes. The Romans conquered the Parisi slash Parisii in 52 CE, and they built a town on the River Seine. The Romans called Paris Lutetia. Lutetia? Lutetia. Lutetia. Okay. Roman like <laughs> Lutetia. 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 <laughs> the Roman Empire. I'm sorry, it's not totally Lutetia. Lutetia. The Roman Empire started to decline, and in 486, the Franks captured Paris. The area flourished until the Viking raids in 845. So the <laughs> French king paid them 7,000 pounds of silver to leave. Yeah. Okay. I would I would leave for that. It's like but. that lady that um, would just go around um, bothering people until they would pay her to go away. <laughs> That's the dream. That I can definitely do. Yeah. From the 11th century on, Paris once again flourished, becoming one of the largest towns in Europe in the Middle Ages. Paris became... Go figure. Yeah, right? Paris became known for its scholars, and Paris University became famous. In the 12th century, the Cathedral de Notre Dame... Notre Dame. Uh, Notre Dame. Notre Dame. Was built. You know, people say it so many different fucking ways. They do, really. Notre Dame. Which one is... Which one is it? Not Notre Dame. It's 
definitely more Dom. I don't know. Uh, in 1338, the Hundred Years... Why does that say way? It's supposed to say war. <laughs> the Hundred Years' War between France and England began, and in 1348, Paris was devastated by the Black Death. Oh. In 1420, the English captured Paris. However, French the French recaptured the town in 1436. Meanwhile, in the 16th century, the Reformation swept France. French Protestants were persecuted. The persecution reached a peak in 1572 with the St. Bartholomew's Day Massacre. Massacre. <laughs> Jesus. Massacre. Like a manicure. It's a massacre. <laughs> Can you tell what we've been drinking? About 2,000... A little bit. About 2,000 Protestants in Paris were murdered by Catholics. Yeah. Under Louis XIV in the late 17th century, many great buildings were built, but there were two sides to Paris, like most other large cities. There were the beautiful buildings, many cafes, and rich scholarly types hanging around, but there were also, um, there was a lot of severe poverty. Like, the poor people lived in squalor. Paris was... At the center of the French Revolution, which broke out in 1789, on the morning of 14th of July, 1789, Parisians seized cannons and guns from a hospital for military veterans and surrounded a fortress and prison called the Bastille. The governor was forced to surrender, so, you know, the Bastille day. Yep. Napoleon became ruler of France in 1799. He built... Ooh, I didn't look that up. We'll just cut that. He built the thing. He... Built Arc de Triomphe. That's a thing. Um, That's a thing. However, Allied armies occupied Paris in 1814. In 1830, another revolution took place in Paris. In the mid 19th century, the Industrial Revolution began to for- transform France. Paris grew rapidly, but many of its inhabitants lived in poverty. In 1832, cholera killed over 20,000 people in the city. That's a lot of fucking Jesus. people. Yeah. yeah. In 1848, discontent in Paris resulted in another revolution, and Napoleon III took power in France. During his reign, which lasted until 1870, parts of Paris were rebuilt. Economically, Paris boomed, and its population grew rapidly. Uh, Paris prospered in the late 19th century. The Eiffel Tower was unveiled in 1889, and the Metro opened in 1900. Oh, wow. Paris escaped the First World War uh, relatively unscathed. In the 1920s and 30s, Paris again prospered, but on the 14th of June, 1940, Paris fell to the Germans. But in August of 1944, Paris rose in rebellion, and in August, Allied forces entered the city. In May of 1968, Paris was rocked by student riots, but stability returned. In the late 20th century, new buildings were erected in Paris, so, such as the Tour Montparnasse in 1973 and the Hotel Concorde Lafayette in 1974. Today, Paris is a flourishing city, and tour- tourism is booming. Two things. Yes. One, you said Paris. Parish. Parish. Today, Paris! It is the Paris. <laughs> um... Too, you said pornos, Montparnasse, and it made me think. Yeah, it made me think of my dad wrote a porno. No, it's Montparnasse, not pornos. I know, but I heard pornos. <laughs> anyway, 
Um, Why it affects my hearing. Today, the population of Paris is over 2 million. Jesus Christ. Yay. That's my I don't know about that. That's, that's a lot of people. I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us what you're doing, Rachel. I'm going to drink this wine. Okay, so my story is the murder of little Gregory Villemin. My sources are Wikipedia, independent.co.uk, theguardian.com, thelocal.fr, which I assume means France, thestandard.co.uk, reddit.com. No. (laughs) I had a lot of sources. They said a lot of the same things, but I had a lot of sources. Uh, the cinema, cinemaholic.com, bbc.com, findagrave.com, znews.india.com, mirrorco.uk, dot, nope, not .com, latimes.com, destructify.com, a blog that is in French that I cannot pronounce, um, well, <laughs> 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 du fromage? Hey, I gave you fair warning. We're not making fun of French, French people. We're just making fun of how bad our accents are. <laughs> and Dexter's laboratory. That too. You call it laboratory? <laughs> I do. You fucking weirdo. <laughs> well, that's what he called it. So for him, it's Dexter. Yeah, but he's the smart one. We're the fucking idiots. It's laboratory. <laughs> yes, I normally say laboratory, but for him, it's laboratory. Okay. I don't even call it then Dexter's also, Laboratory. I just call it Dexter's Lab. I just say laboratory. Hmm. I don't know. Okay. Um. Okay. Three more sources. A YouTube video by user Georgia Marie in her series Midweek Mystery. Hmm. Actually, pretty cool series. Um, the Netflix series Who Killed Little Gregory. Oh. I did not watch past the beginning because I had other stuff I had to do, mm-hmm. but it's actually really good. So, highly recommend. Also, the Generation Y podcast. Oh. So, yeah. What uh, made you choose it? Did you remember during all of your research? No, I did not remember. The way we make our list is that we choose random places and then we randomly fill in our stories as we go. And Rachel told me to put this story down on our list for France, but neither one of us can remember when she did it or how she thought of it. I can tell you when I did it. It's when I was searching for the other episode in France. Oh. Um, because I was looking for stories near that place, and this was much further than Paris. And was. now we're on the opposite this was side. Like five hours. Yeah, I don't know why I picked this story. I think mainly because of how the mother was portrayed in some of the media that I found at the time, and it pissed me off. So yeah. 
Okay. This story takes place in, I don't even know how far away this was because I didn't know we were in Paris. <laughs> well, I told you where I was, but you had already done your story. So mine was outside, but then I made it mine. Okay. Okay. That's pretty far. So, yeah, I'm even further away than last time we were in France. I am like four hours away. Four point four and a half hours away. Look at the bubbles. Look at the bubbles. Look. Oh, you can't even see them. They're gone now. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> okay, my story takes place in La Pagne sur Volonne, France. Okay. And it's starts out a little weird and this is going to sound familiar to you because you've heard other podcasts and sort of another crime similar okay so the villaman family was your average everyday blue collar hard-working family Mm -hmm. you know they worked hard for every penny they earned and lived rather modest lives in their cute little town So, Jean-Marie, who was one of the Villemin's sons, was married in 1979 to his, to his beautiful wife, Catherine. God, I'm out of breath for no reason. It's the alcohol. It's the alcohol. That's funny. You had a Jean-Marie last time. Yeah, I Jean had Marie. a Marie-Jean. Oh, my God. Okay, that's hilarious. That's, yeah. Jean-Marie, Marie-Jean. Okay. Uh... Married his beautiful wife, wife, Catherine. And shortly after, he received a promotion at work. They also had their first son, Gregory, and broke ground building the new house that they would own. Hmm. This promotion opened a lot of doors for him. He prospered. So... Coming from a blue-collar family and being promoted almost overnight, this obviously ruffled a few of Jean-Marie's families and acquaintances' feathers. Oh, really? They weren't happy for him? No, they were not happy for him. That's fucked. The exact opposite. Yeah. Like, I'd be thrilled. Mm-hmm. Like, if you got promoted tomorrow, I'd be like, good for you. I mean... To be honest, I'd, I'd also be like, please quit, but I'd be happy for you. <laughs> You'd be like, please quit, because now I'll never see you. Yep. <laughs> so, phone calls and letters began to show up for Jean-Marie's parents, threatening death to them. What the fuck? Mm-hmm. Why? The per... The person behind these calls and letters went by the name the Crow or Raven. Hmm. Um, the, the sources were very confused about this. The Corvid. The, pretty much, yeah. But it's, it's in another language. It's going to be mixed up. Mm-hmm. Soon the Raven began tormenting every member of the Millennium. This is gonna be fun. <laughs> Every member of the Villaman family. Some even receiving calls up to 27 times in one day. Oh my god. Yes. And this Raven character had an eerie amount of mo- Wait a second. 
You've not heard this story, but there is one similar called The Watcher. Yes. Okay. Yes. yes. I was like, that, that sounds so of. familiar. Okay. Yes. Okay. I want to do that one Which one day. Which we have yeah. to cover. Yes. Okay. So, buh, 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 where are you? Where did I go? Okay. The Raven, he had an eerie amount of knowledge about the family, workings, and drama. They even use this knowledge to put the family against one another. <gasps> like, the worst of the worst. You're putting family against each other. So they would just, like, opinion. tell each other secrets? Mm-hmm. That's so fucked up. Like, actually, that um that, that one French website that I'm not going to try and butcher again yeah. had actual the... um Like, letters and stuff? No, not the letters. They had the transcribed phone calls. Oh, okay. Some of the transcribed phone calls. Dang. Yeah. That that website. Oof. Okay. I did not like some of those. <laughs> While the entire family was truly suffering these horrible, horrible phone calls, the person who received the majority of the harassment was Jeanne Marie. And the only logical explanation as to why was purely jealousy over all of his success in life that's oh yeah i mean that's why you stay unsuccessful people nobody comes after you that's a joke i mean they'll come after you but okay um okay but you know the raven wanted jean marie to suffer during one particular phone conversation with jean marie the raven threatened to damage the family's newly built home, to which Jean Marie replied, You can burn the house down. I'll just build another. Ooh, I got money. So, you know, I got money, bitch. What you gonna do? <laughs> yeah. You know, and obviously. Oh my god. Not liking that reaction, the raven then threatened to harm Catherine. Catherine. Mm. <laughs> Even confessing that at one point he had set up a trap for her, planning to capture and rape Holy her as soon as she stepped fuck. outside of the house that day. Luckily, she did not leave the house that day at all. So, empty threat. When was this? <clears throat> what year yeah. was this? This was not between 1981 and 1985. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. I aspire to be that rich and like, go ahead, burn my well, house down. I'll bu- I'll build another. <laughs> unfortunately, this richness um, it made him a little cocky. Oh. So, in response to that threat, Jean—I mean, Jean Marie—he didn't care. Um, he said that he had enough money that if something happened to her. That he would find someone else rather quickly. Oh my fucking god. Right. What a piece of shit. Seriously, and I really hope his wife did not know that. Like, sure, fuck, get another house, but that's your wife. Yeah. My god. That wine hitting hard? I was going... No, that was just the me processing... I was going to write that, oh, you know, this was bad, but he didn't want her to get hurt, so he was like, at least, you know, 
get her excited enough that you're not gonna hurt her. But that's that's not that's not any better. I, it really isn't. Like I, I kind of hated his whole See, I don't know that. if he was doing it as like a psychological like if he was trying to do reverse psychology or if he was really just a fucking asshole. Because the response either way and, to me says fucking asshole. Yeah, and I think that's what it was. I think it was purely a psychological thing okay. to try and get in the head of the raven. I still hated the response, right. but I think it was purely psychological. Like, he didn't want anything to happen to his wife, like, for real. But not Not an ideal way to speak to somebody or about someone. Especially behind their back, especially if you're married to them. Even if you're lying. But, yeah. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Whatever. Okay. And, again, the raven, not particularly liking this response, then threatened to do harm to his four-year-old son, Gregory. Saying, I can see him with my binoculars. And don't let him hang around outside (gasps) too often. Because one day you will find him strange. (gasps) What do you say to that? I can make more. (laughs) No, thank God he is a better father than he is a husband because he made the stereotypical comment, you hurt my son, then you're a dead man. Right. At least he is a better father than he is. Wow. Wow. (laughs) Wow. But with that one sentence, the Raven now knew Jean-Marie's greatest weakness. Of course. Come on, you should have said the same thing. I can make more. <laughs> I can get another one. Funny story. Jesus. Funny story. They do make more. Oh. A letter was sent to the Villeman family in early 1983 stating... Can you see the bubbles? No. I can. Okay. Vaguely. Vaguely. A letter was sent to the Villeman family in early 1983 stating... Villeman family, I will murder you if you don't comply. I will make good on the th- on the threat I made to the boss about him and his little family. The boss. Speaking of, I actually did not write that. I should have written that. The Raven referred to Jean Marie as the boss because of his recent promotion mm-hmm. to foreman of the factory he okay. worked in. Okay. So it was probably, obviously, it was somebody who got passed over. Either someone who got passed over or family or someone who was just really bitter about it. Shit, be bitter, be better, fuck. (laughs) Be bitter, be better. The next letter was received in March of 1983. And it seemed to be the last because it claimed it claimed that the Villamans would not hear from the Raven again, but that they would always wonder who the Raven was and would have no resolve to that question. Ooh. Then, <laughs> sign the letter. Farewell, dear idiot. <laughs> Damn, that's petty. Petty, but my favorite line. Farewell, Farewell idiots. Idiots. (laughs) (laughs) 
I like it wasn't just farewell idiots. It was farewell dear idiots. Dear idiots. Okay. Yes. The raven then did disappear as they promised until Tuesday, October 16th, 1984. Now we get into the story. It's actually not quite that long. So Christine Villeman picked up her four-year-old son Gregory from daycare, went home to do some housework, while Gregory proceeded to play outside in the sand pile that was left by the construction company. Around 5.15, Christine looks up from doing the dishes and notices that Gregory is no longer where she last saw him. She panics, ran outside, looked around the entire property for him before getting into her car and combing the nearby streets before checking at his babysitter babysitters babysitters which i guess was closed yeah. so you know if it's close enough and he vaguely knew where it then was he might he yeah there so yeah around 5 30 michael villeman got a call from someone who said that he couldn't distinguish if it were a male or female voice hmm. and that the voice sounded very muffled but anyway The person on the phone said that they had taken the kid from the boss and that they threw him into the Valone, which was a nearby river. Ooh, fuck. At this point, they call the police because now they know he did not just wander off. Police arrived within 15 minutes of getting the call and began searching the mountains, the river, and the forest. Fortunately and unfortunately, they did find Gregory. He was in the river with his hands and legs tied together and with his wool cap pulled over his face. Oh, shit. The the media goes crazy over the story because, like we said earlier, this is soup. (sighs) This is a super small town and nothing like this ever happens. That's awful. I mean, it's like, it's good that they know so that they're not constantly wandering, but it's still so awful. Exactly. But even then, they're still wondering because who actually right. did this? Fuck. It's not, like, to them, it is still this emer- emergency. And on top of that, why would they wait so long? Why would they go radio silent and then something had to have triggered it? Yeah. And, unfortunately, we really don't go into yeah. that. So, uh, this case became known as L'Affaire du Petit Grégory, or the Gregory Affair. Oh. The following day, October 17th, the Villemans received another letter from the Raven. This one's... Jesus, what the heck? I'm going through puberty. It's okay. My voice did it earlier, too. (laughs) And earlier today. It was really weird. This one simply said, I hope that you die from sorrow, boss. Oh, fuck. Even your money can't bring your son back. (gasps) This is my vengeance, you stupid bastard. Oh, shit. Yes. This... Look, this character is just really... I don't even know how to describe them. Fuck. 
At least with the other one, nothing happened to anybody, right? Like with the Watcher, no, nothing, nothing happened. happened with that yeah, one. Yeah, nothing happened. But, it just disappeared. Right, but with this one, that's so much worse to have somebody with this do one, that. He seems to have followed through. Right, with his that's I th- that's so scary. That's yeah. awful. Okay. So, the first judge who was assigned to the case was Jean-Michel Lambert, mm-hmm. or Jean-Michael Lambert. I think it's Lambert. I'm just kidding. Lambert. I don't fucking know. Don't I'm just saying Lambert, because Adam Lambert, and yeah. I don't, mm. I don't know. Adam Lambert. Yeah, I don't know either. He was young, 30-something, and thought that this was a very straightforward case that would be over lickety-split. What about that is straightforward? <laughs> He's young and naive. That's my Ugh. point. <laughs> kids. Apparently, kids, right? Even though you're like <laughs> four years and a couple months younger. Yeah. I actually told someone today that I was 26, and I got back to my desk and I was like, No, I'm not. I'm not 26 yet. Oh, well. <laughs> I was like, Eh, I'll be there soon enough. Um, apparently, during his, you know, judging of the case, mm. a lot of personal information about the Villemans came to Uh-oh. light. Yeah, that's going to come up just a Also, like, all those later. secrets? Yeah, Ooh. all those secrets. Yep, yep, yep. Judge Simone, Judge Simon Simone actually took over for him shortly afterwards like say maybe a year or so after (laughs) that doesn't bode well (laughs) yeah luckily so though because simon actually thought long and hard about the case and he claimed that if gregory had been thrown into the river then there would have been some sort of mark left by the ropes on his wrist and ankles which there were not which meant that Gregory was unconscious well, he, before yeah. being tossed into the river. Yeah. Shit. It is then that the investigators began to branch out and consider that Gregory could have possibly been killed before, unfortunately, in his own home <gasps> in the bathtub. <gasps> this is mainly due to the fact that the microorganisms that are typically found in river water were not present in his system at the time of the autopsy. Oh my god. I wish people could see my face right now. I know. It's it's gold. Something else that was found in his system. Small, barely traceable amounts of insulin, which was initially ignored until a hypodermic syringe and a vial of insulin was found along the banks of the river. Oh... Okay. With this information, investigators then looked at Muriel Boll and her brother-in-law, Bernard LaRoche. Mm -hmm. LaRoche was Jean-Marie's cousin. Ah. And in fact, as children, they were super close, but grew apart, you know, as most do. Right. Uh, you grow up, yeah. And you get really chill. Mm, I'll let you tell a story. Tell a story. <laughs> they shared very similar lives. Mm. They were both factory foremans, had a wife and a child, 
However, LaRoche's child was apparently special needs, which causes a lot of strain in families. Um, He was also apparently very unkempt and profane, as opposed to Jean-Marie. And (laughs) regarding the death of poor little Gregory, two things didn't seem right to me with his response. One, he apparently showed signs of happiness when he heard the news of Gregory's death. Uh, In fact, one source said bitter joy. So, yeah. And two, he is quoted to have said, they've got what they deserved. They've paid for what they've done. I'm the poor stupid fool because each time they need me, I come and they never invite me to their house on Sundays. Um, so, this guy is super bitter and super self-pitying when he should have at least had a little bit of sympathy that his cousin just lost his four-year-old son. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. awful. The, I mean, it's horrible. And his reaction is horrible. And not only that, what made investigators think that he might have been the person behind the phone calls and letters was that his 15-year-old sister-in-law, Muriel Bull, who I spoke of, like, a second mm-hmm. ago, had some very condemning comments against him. Against him. It was discovered that Muriel had not ridden the bus home that day from school. Oh, shit. School. Did yeah. he? Mm. Muriel caved to the cops, obviously. And admitted that LaRoche had picked her up from school. The two had been driven to the Villamans and picked up young Gregory. They then drove to another town where LaRoche got out of the car with Gregory, but then did not return with him. This was also confirmed by a neighbor of the Villamans. They stated that a mustache man with a young girl who fit Muriel's description, was seen outside of the Villamans' house on the day that Gregory went missing and was killed. When given the chance to recant or change her story, Muriel denied and stuck with her statement. Mm. And it wasn't until Judge Lambert, Mm. Lambert, uh, who was the original judge, Lambert, let too much information go to public no. and accidentally let it slip that she was the one who had given the statement against him. <sighs> so once she went home and was forced to spend time with her parents, sister, and brother-in-law. She changed her story. She recanted her statement and LaRoche was released in 1985. There is also the possibility that Muriel herself aided in the murder of little Gregory. Apparently, in the early 80s, a nurse had been treating Muriel's mother for diabetes. Mm. And in doing so, she taught Muriel how to administer insulin. But the nurse doesn't remember if she taught Muriel before or after Gregory's death, so that's kind of an inconclusive lead. But... But to be honest, 
it wouldn't really matter if she had taught her how to do it. All she would have to do is see it a couple of times and she would take it and do it herself. It's not like, you know? Well, to, to administer properly and with only trace amounts left in the system. I don't know. The same day of LaRoche's release, Jean-Marie vowed to kill his cousin. Honestly, and do not blame him. His downfall, though, was that he said this in front of journalists, which is kind of ballsy. Um, but, it, yeah. Despite the fact that there was evidence that Jean-Marie made this threat, police protection was refused. <gasps> yes, the police refused to protect LaRouche. Oh my god! <laughs> I mean, they yeah. probably think he There's did it too, so... Probably, that's yeah. That's fucked. At this point, investigators are grasping at any and everything, even going so far as to charge Christine, Gregory's mother, with his death. <gasps> yes. According to handwriting experts, Christine was the was likely the author of the anonymous letter. Why would she do that? <sighs> But see, the likelihood was only like 80%. It was only an 80% Come match. Come on. Yeah. Uh, she had also apparently been seen in the post office that day, or that day, the day of the murder. Investigate. <laughs> I mean, they're really scrapping for evidence. Investigators found rope in the Villamans' basement, similar to what was used on Gregory. Who to tie doesn't his hands have rope? Together. I'm sure in a small town you can only get like certain kinds of rope. It's everybody's exactly. probably got that when fucking got, rope like, in there. Yes, everybody's got that rope in their basement. <laughs> Everybody, everyone. Yes. Uh, yeah, I'm glad you feel oh this way God. the same way I do. She was held under suspicion until July of 1985 when she was charged with the no. murder of her son. To which she responded with an 11-day hunger strike. And I have to mention here that she was six months pregnant <gasps> at this point. So this hunger strike was really not good for the baby. No. Or her. And... While she was released, she actually was not cleared for eight years. So, and uh, the case against her was ultimately dismissed because there was no motive for her to have killed herself. Right. And the, this part pisses me off. The only motive that I could actually come across in my research is where one investigator pretty much thought that she was too sexy to be mourning. That's not a thing. Her black sweater was too tight, and she was too nice to look at. Uh, and this caused doubt in his mind because she wasn't a complete mess four months after his murder. Like, look, I actually wrote this all out. Like, no dumbass. She's probably numb at this point. Her son's picture is being shown in every newspaper, right. every news network. She has to numb herself at some point to get on with life. Especially if she's already pregnant again. Right. Losing a child because is one of the worst things that can happen to somebody. And, and I And oof. having it all broadcasted oof. makes you numb. Right. And 
that type of anguish is not good on the body, let alone on the body that is growing. A pregnant woman, right. Inside of your body, yes. Jesus. Yes. Like, and I think. I could, like, maybe understand if, like, I mean, not understand. Look, okay. So, I could kind of see, like, if it was an accident, if he, like, if she walked away for a second and he drowned in the bath and then she made it look yeah. like that, I could maybe see that, but the insulin does not fit. No. So, it has to be somebody else. The insulin does not fit. The, the witness statements don't, exactly. mit, don't mit, fit. Yeah. I think that right there is why I picked this story because I was so pissed off at that one investigator. That's, oh. <laughs> People so, always yeah, want okay. to tell you how to grieve and it's infuriating. And what's even worse, he was like, oh yeah, the dad is definitely grieving. He's all solemn and and then she's over here. She's just so pretty. And if she were single, I would court her. And I'm Being here like, pretty is not an emotion. I don't. Right? I, I don't understand this at all. But moving on, because if she were really mourning, it's... she'd be an old hag. I, I, I. If she was really mourning, she'd be an old hag. I, I can't. That's bonkers. Uh, okay. Fucking patriarchy. Okay, moving on. Yeah, so, okay, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. We are, um, we're gonna jump back a little bit. So, when all of the suspicion first began against Jean-Marie's wife, he did what he promised he would. And in March, March 29th, 1985, he took his hunting rifle, gunned down LaRoche, Outside of his work. That's not the promise I thought you were going to say. I thought you were going to say that no. he got a new wife. Oh my god. <laughs> no. <laughs> he stuck with his wife. He did. Oh my he god. stuck with his wife. I'm f- I'm fairly certain they're still married Holy today. shit. <laughs> I thought you... Um, I really, I really thought he kept his promise and got a new fucking wife. I was going to be pissed. Okay. Wrong promise. <laughs> okay, so he killed his cousin. He killed his cousin. He killed his cousin because he believed his cousin right. killed his son. And actually, if you go through and read some of the um, like manuscripts mm-hmm. of the calls that were recorded, he mentions a couple times, is this, is this Bernard LaRoche? And the raven just kind of bats it off. Hmm. Yeah, and changing. I think it's interesting. How did he? How would he? Um, he said he didn't really recognize the voice, and then it sounded, um, muffled, muffled, and like a little bit too, like feminine. Okay, we'll get there. Okay, good. I'm glad. Uh, I'm liking this story a lot. Like I'm hating this story, but I'm liking it a lot. Yes, we do get to it. Okay. He then turned himself in immediately and was sentenced to five years in prison. However, he only served two and a half years as he was released in late 1987. Wow, I'm really surprised. Do they have a, um, like a limit on how long they can spend in prison over there? 
I don't know. Because I know a lot of places have, like, a maximum sentence for certain things. That's crazy. I do not know. Um, They released him, if I remember correctly, it's because they released him for... Good behavior. Time spent waiting. Oh, like, time served. Yeah, time served. Okay. So, between 1993, when Christine was finally written off as no longer a suspect... Mm. And 2000, the case kind of went cold. In 2001, the case actually was closed when DNA tests on postage stamps proved to be inconclusive. It was then briefly reopened between 2008 and 2010 for more forensic analysis this, however, also proved no result. I'm sure they couldn't test it, like, for fingerprints, because a bunch of people touch it before it even gets to... Oh, yeah. God, oh, damn yeah. it. Well, they could have tested... Did they test, test any fingerprints on the actual letters? They were testing all of the mm. letters. All of the letters. Um, it remained closed until summer of 2017... When modern handwriting and linguistic analysis of roughly 2,000 letters and voice recordings. That's so many. Who's got the time? To everyone. Look. <laughs> Apparently they did. Um, anyway, these letters and voice recordings led police to conclude that the authors were a man and a woman. <gasps> Yeah, it was not just one person. And in June of 2017, Muriel was arrested on suspicion of involvement, but was then released. God damn it! (laughs) However, her parents, Gregory's great-aunt and uncle, were also placed in police custody on the suspicion of complicity in the murder of little Gregory, failing to report a crime or helping a person at risk. You know what? I I agree because after she met with her parents and her uncle, yeah, so uh, the parents had to be in on it. Yeah. <clears throat> they had to. However... They were also released. I fucking hate you. <laughs> and I would love to say that the killer is caught. I'm actually going to finish the series probably at some point this weekend. But it is very evident that it was someone in the family. Yeah. However, this remains unsolved. Mm-hmm. And that's my story. The thing is... Going into it, I knew that it was going to be unsolved because at the beginning, you said, whoever did it. <laughs> and I was like, fuck, <laughs> that means she doesn't know. Well, no. Well, no, I still could have said whoever did it because no, I know no, how to draw no. a No, the way that you word things, I know when there's going to be no <laughs> answer. I can tell at this point. <laughs> You just read my face. No, like, the way that you say it, I know. When you say certain things, I can tell now. (laughs) Gosh, I gotta change my antics. That's frustrating. Look, when I know more, I will update. 
but I mean, yeah, okay. <sighs> what is your I'm story? I'm a little drunk. Oh, good. Okay. So this week, if you'll direct yourself to the um to the episode, the episode list. I wouldn't say it's not on the mm. shared drive, but it's shared between us. So yeah, okay. go to episode thirty-four, and you'll see what my uh, episode thirty-four, France. I should probably put Paris on there. You just have a little skull. Oh, you're in the catacombs. <laughs> because instead of putting <laughs> catacombs on there, I put a little skull. <laughs> uh, I thought it was funny. Don't you like how my brain was like, "What? You put a skull? <gasps> catacombs." <laughs> okay. Yes, 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 my yes, sources. yes, yes. Le catacombs. I had so many sources for this one. <sighs> yes. Tell okay. me, please. My sources are Wikipedia, SmithsonianMag.com, ComeToParis.com, Catacombs.Paris.fr, Medium.com, ParisPromenades.com, Netherworld, Paris Catacombs with Zach, Zach Bagans on YouTube. Netherworld. A luxury travel oh, blog. Okay. Com, TheGuardian.com. A YouTube video with part of a documentary by Francis Friedland. TheTourGuy.com and WalksOfItaly.com. <laughs> so nice. many sources. Okay. That is so many sources. Sounds like my sources it, last week. So many. <laughs> I don't think I've had that many sources since, um,. Do you remember that one where I had like so? It was like thirteen sources. You had like yeah, it was pages. so many sources. Yeah. So Paris, obviously prominent city in Europe, and without obviously you're gonna have a shit ton of people. Obviously. Obviously, by the 17th and 18th centuries, people were faced with the fact that because it's an ever they've got an ever growing population. That means an ever-growing abundance of dead bodies. Dead bodies! Yep. Yeah. So much so <clears throat> that the cemeteries were overflowing. Not just the one I'm about to talk about, but many cemeteries were just like this. It's just that this one is the one that was most documented. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to talk mostly about this. Yes. The most documented. Yes. Yes. Still the most documented. But I do want to reiterate that it's not the only one that was like this. There were yes. so many that were like this. Oh, that's your house. Yeah. That's how a dog house. was whining. I was like, what? Um, okay. So, Les Innocents, the city's oldest. Les Innocents. It's... Okay, thank you. The Innocents. Yes. Uh, the city's oldest and largest cemetery started as a cemetery with stone rooms and coffins, but had become a site for mass graves by the 17th century. <sighs> It's so disgusting. Like, not just the fact that it was so many bodies, but the fact that they did this. Yeah, well... <laughs> they filled pits with 1,500 bodies at a time. At a, at a time. And then... They're doing that now. I know, because... Oh my god, I cannot even tell you how awful it is to hear about the... Um, like, the cemeteries, especially in New York... Um, the funeral homes that are just overrun with dead bodies New right York now. New York and Italy. And yes. Everywhere. It's awful. And there was that one 
this is gonna be so gross, but there was that one van in New York where um, there were a, like piles of dead bodies in this van and it started leaking because of the heat. Ugh, gross. That's so awful. That's not how that you, you want to hear horrible. Exactly. That's not what you want done with your body most likely. And that's not what you want with your loved one's bodies. So it's no. so sad. So they filled those pits and each time they closed it once they were full, they would just open one right next to it. Yeah. That's how you get disease. <laughs> For real. I can't even explain explain how many people were buried here. During one point in time, um, I think it was uh, over 50,000 bodies. 50,000 people died during this one um, pandemic and mm -hmm. they all, all 50,000 50, people went to that church. Yeah. Wait, hold on. 15,000 people living or 15,000 dead? Dead, Rachel. You said church, not graveyard, so... No, it was a church that ran the place. Okay. So, the cemetery was run by this church that was greedy yes. as fuck. Okay. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. They eventually used every, pro like, plot of land available. Mm -hmm. Think about that. I've, I mean, that's a lot of land. That's a lot of land, a lot of bodies, if every pit has, like, 1,500 bodies in it. So, yes, gross. when they were gross, 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 completely gross. full, they built these, um, I'm not sure how best to explain them. They're, the source explained it as, um, like, they built these long galleries inside of all four of the cemetery walls that were these mass graves. Mm -hmm. um, so when the oldest pit was dug up, I guess, they thought the bodies would be decomposed enough for just the bones to be put inside. Were they not? So, so it was bodies top to bottom, so they would start with the oldest and work their way back, right? Yeah. But by the late 17th century, the mass graves, both the, the ground and the walls, were overflowing with decom like decomposing flesh. Yeah. And mm. the stench was awful because there were, there were so many people dying and they couldn't keep up with it because the place wasn't, like, it sounds huge to hear it, but it really wasn't as big as they needed they for the amount of people who be. were dying, especially with yeah. the the growth, like, the sudden growth of the city. It just, they just couldn't keep up with it. But, mm. So the whole town... We're getting a little close to home right now. So the whole <laughs> town began complaining. Obviously. Like, they were... Obviously. <laughs> they were right next to the town market. Mm -hmm. So, um... Which is... A wonderful smell you want to smell while doing oh your God, uh, weekly shopping. <laughs> yeah, and there were so there were stories of sickness, like rotten meat, uh, tapestry merchants whose wares like they would change colors if they were exposed to air for long enough because the stench yeah. permeated the entire area. Ugh. Um, there, so they even wine started coming out vinegary if left in the cellar too long. Even perfume shops were losing customers because the smell was so strong. And it, then the perfume wasn't strong enough to cover the smell. No, the smell was so strong. Every single perfume they had would not cover it. It was that bad. Oof. Yeah. Part of the Paris catacombs I've never heard before. Mm -hmm. So, 
I know it sounds like something like you would hear you you would think like oh they just built these things because it was convenient you know they just like why not <laughs> why not why not right but <laughs> there was wine they not. needed wine 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 not. not you're a fucking mom <laughs> I swear to God dad joke for days. Mm. That's a that's a that's a wine that's mom a joke. joke. <laughs> okay. Eventually, an edict was ordered by Louis the Fifteenth that all cemeteries would be moved outside the city, but no one complied. Yeah. So the churches, they, <laughs> they basically their response to this was just to charge more money to be buried. That is not how you do this. Yeah, and when they were building those galleries, the charnel houses, they yeah. um, the way that they paid for those was by getting their parishioners to pay them, their rich parishioners, more money. Like, uh, yeah, yep, yeah. yep. It's yep. disgusting. So nice. When Louis the Sixteenth came to power, he ordered the same thing, and it was passed a year later. But the churches refused until a definite solution was found. Which I can so from the greedy perspective, I can understand this because they're making so much fucking money for this. But on the other hand, that's disgusting. You're gross. Anyway. That, yeah, that's 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 a little little. Very... Also, it's really hard because there's so many people dying. What are we supposed to do with their bodies? They're supposed to be like outside of town, but it's hard because the people who like are part of your church are like, I want my people buried here, and you're like, No, get out of the town. Get out of the town. <laughs> out of the just, town. Just, just shoot. Get so, out. <laughs> In the spring of 1780, a prolonged period of rain, similar to the one we're in now, led to, like, it's been nonstop rain. It really has. (laughs) I've had my, so we got the awning, so we've had all of our plants just sort of hiding out under there until the sun comes out. Anyway. A period of prolonged rain led to a cellar wall and a property bordering, bordering Les Innocents giving way under the weight of all of the bodies and the humidity. What? Causing decomposing bodies and infected mud to flood into their cellar. Okay, I thought that's what you said. Yeah. So the building... (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It just crashed all into their room. So the building had to be evacuated until, until it could be cleaned and repaired. But no matter what they did, no matter cleaning or moving, removed the stench of rotting flesh, it just would not dissipate. Um, a final edict was ordered a few months later that put an end to any more burials in Les Innocents. Thankfully. Uh, the king's, thankfully, the king's architect, Charles, I didn't look how, how to say that yes. part. It's like Charles Axel. How do you say Axel in French? Axel. Axel. <laughs> Fuck. Rachel. <laughs> I guess we'll say Charles Guillermo built a system of underground catacombs in what were previously tunnels mined for limestone when the city was being built in the 13th century. The cemetery cemeteries began to be emptied in 1786, starting with Les Innocents. 
it took the city 12 years to move all the bones in the, into the catacombs and they would do it all at night so that the um, citizens wouldn't really see you know, have to see dead the, bodies going yeah. through. Yeah. The site was consecrated as the Paris Municipal Ossuary in April 7, on April 7th, 1786. And from that time forward, it took on the mythical name of catacombs. Basically, you know, because of the Roman catacombs. Yeah. Um, some of the oldest bodies date back more than 1,200 years ago. Jesus. Yeah. 1,200. Body... Uh, 1,200 years ago. 1,200. Yeah, I'm doing the math. Like, eight? Math. It's over... I think it was... Somewhere between, like, 10 to 30 centuries. And I, it was so many. That's too many. I, just I too don't many. remember. I, that's a lot. Well, 1,200. I guess that would be 12 centuries, right? How yes. many is a century? A s- that's 100 years, See? Right? Now you have me questioning. Yes, a century is 100 years. Okay. I was thinking decades. Just think Harry Potter. He's the youngest seeker in a century. Wasn't his dad a seeker? But his dad wasn't as young as him. Valid. Okay. Kay. Okay. Okay. Yep, you got me. Harry Potter rules. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. look. Oh, look. It's a giant circle. We are right back to Harry Potter. Back to Harry Potter every time. Okay. <laughs> um, one day we'll tell people what our um, houses are and what our Patronus is. Dude, I don't know what my house is. It keeps changing. You're a Hufflepuff. But I was a Slytherin before I was a Hufflepuff. Did you d- take the test on your own? Yes. What did it say? First, I was a Slytherin. When Why'd the, you when, take it again? Well, no. When it very first came out, I was a Slytherin. And then whatever the new one is came out and I'm a Hufflepuff. On Pottermore, you're a Hufflepuff? Yes. No. on po- Well, yes. But also, when it first came out, I was Slytherin. Oh, I'm I'm a I'm a Gryffindor. Okay, I am both. I'm a I'm a Slitherpuff. Slitherpuff, go for I'm it. A Let's go. Okay, I go. <clears throat> On Pottermore, my Patronus is a lioness. I don't remember mine. Want to say try, otter? Mm. Probably otter. Yeah, Maybe? you got that know-it-all Hermione thing going on. I totally have the know-it-all Hermione thing going yeah. on. <clears throat> okay. Yes. Yes. Bodies were buried directly in the catacombs up until 1860. So, like, through the whole French Revolution and up until 1860. It's crazy. So, That's... why did why did it stop? I think it started getting full and, um, so... The catacombs are like twenty, starting like around twenty meters below the city, mm-hmm. um, and the tunnels extend over four hundred miles. But like only a little over a mile is available for visitors to explore. So, and that's where the crew lost their camera. Yes, <laughs> so um, obviously, eventually, it was decided that people like macabre shit. And they thought that tours would be a great way for some extra cash, and they were right. I mean, they get hundreds of thousands of visitors a year. I mean, Um, I would go down there. I would do the tour. 
I would go down there. <laughs> I, I would do the tour. Um, this is where we differ, and I'll explain why I later. <laughs> <laughs> the rest of the tunnels are illegal to explore, so it's it's not safe down there. It's really not, which I'll get into later. The tour takes about, what'd you say? I said wear a hard hat. <laughs> no, Rachel, no. The tour takes about 45 minutes, but... These tours are so expansive that you could walk for hours and hours. Yep. There's only one public entrance, but there are many more lesser known entrances. So <laughs> before you even go into this into the area where remains are stored, there's Jeez. an underground space for exhibitions usually. There's an inscription above the doorway that says, Stop. This is the Empire of Death. Okay, I'm sorry. I didn't hear half of this because I just laughed at stop. <laughs> it says stop. This is the Empire of Death. It's the Empire of Death. <laughs> I mean, that's translated from French, so if it's incorrect, blame the sources because that's what they said. Okay, so when I mean, bones were moved in. Sense. But also, Empire yeah. of Death. It's the land well, of the vampires. Look, okay, so you'll see. We'll put we'll, we'll, later. Um, I don't have anything on vampires, though. I was going to add a little something, but it got long enough to where I was like, mm. Speaking of, I might want to zoom out now. <laughs> yeah. Okay, um, we are good. Yeah. Okay, so when the bones were being moved in from the cemeteries, they were separated by cemetery. Some of them are neatly stacked and put together in patterns along the walls, like crosses and other images. Mm-hmm. But deeper in the tunnels where visitors aren't allowed, the bones are in piles all over the floor, oh, which no. seems so awful to me. Like, a lot of cultures have many different beliefs in how the body's treated after death, and obviously they did too, because... A lot of the people who went there expected for their bodies to be, you know, interred in a cemetery. Yeah. And um, treated respectfully. Treated respectfully. And what they're doing, it's not respectful. Like, it, but they... Mm, anyway. I like yeah. that. Mm. <laughs> like I said before, um, there are a lot of so-called secret entrances into the catacombs. And there's a group of people that takes full advantage of them. Of thems. Of thems. Thems. We are, we are thems. the thems. Uh. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I don't know. I kind of like that as the title. We are the thems. <laughs> Ugh. No, cut that shit. Fuck. <sighs> so there's a group of people that takes full advantage of them. They're they're called cataphiles. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's an awful name, too. Believe me, I think it's a terrible name. But they're called cataphiles. Um, they illegally <laughs> explore the tunnels that are on the tour. Some people go down there just to party. But others go down to... Some people go down to party. Others go to really see what's down there, like to find new tunnels, um, new bones, just anything. Uh, this can get you into a lot of trouble, though. It's a huge maze. 
Well, does no shit. <laughs> there are as many tunnels as there are streets and as many as seven levels. And none of all of them have, have even been mapped and explored. Seven yeah. levels of hell. Some people <laughs> do call it uh, the gateway to hell. I am so glad I did that then. <laughs> yes. I mean, I was going to put it in later, but that's a good spot. Um, so, not to mention, not all of them are easy to access. Some you have to climb a bit, others you have to crawl. And then there are holes in random spots. Um, so if you don't have your flashlight like pointed at the ground, you'll miss a hole and you will fall who knows how many feet. And just yeah. break something. Just Yeah. Or die. I mean, there's people yeah, don't that's... don't usually go down or up those holes. So if you fall down one, it's likely that nobody will ever find you. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Do you still want to go around there, Rachel? Yes. Still want to go down there? Still want to yes, go down? Yes. Okay. I do. Well, yes. Wait. There's more. Okay. There's more. Yeah. Oh, you mean satanic rituals? Yeah. No. Plenty. No. There's. Uh, rumored satanic rituals, Nazi rituals, um, Masonic <laughs> rituals. Yes. Nazi rituals. Nazis. Yeah. Okay. Nazi meetings, not ritual, whatever. Okay. Okay. So it's always chilly and windy in there. I think it's always around like 52 degrees Fahrenheit. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that is chilly. Yeah. I think like 14 Celsius. And on top of that, it's pitch black. They don't have any lights or lanterns or anything. You have to bring your own stuff. And if you run out of battery, you are in there in the dark. And if you get lost, you're fucked. So torches are looking very appeasing these days. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. No, no it's always windy. Mm, yeah. So you'd have levels. to be, bring a bunch okay. of batteries, but... Okay. Okay. On top. Look, this is the one time I will say I have no interest in exploring this place. I will go through the tour. I will think it's interesting. I, no, I cannot, I, no. Versus me, I'm like, let's go. Which is so weird because <laughs> normally I'm the one who's like, yes, let's do it. And I'm the but, one that's like, no, let's hold back. Right. But some tunnels have rising water levels. Some are collapsing or have collapsed. And a lot of them, there are rats, and then there's the possibility of getting bacterial infection, arrested, or even worse, lost. Eh, I've had worse. You have not had worse. You've not had worse. <laughs> I've had bacterial infections. I've had worse. <laughs> Look, getting lost in this place is the most terrifying part for me. <laughs> That's know. what cell phones are for. <laughs> Um, no. No. Because this place goes around, like, 300 or more meters below street level, and you will not have a signal. Take a stick and bang it on the ceiling. That will not work if you're 300 fucking feet down, <laughs> Rachel. Look, I'm trying. You're failing. Anyway... For instance, one of the most well-known stories they'll hear about is a man named Philibert Asper. I'm not sure how to say it. I'm, fuck. I'm drunk. 
Yes. A spare. The doorman of the Valdegras Hospital, who went in search of some monks' stash of alcohol in 1793. Apparently, oh. yeah, apparently there was this, these monks who had a stash of chartreuse somewhere in the catacombs. Just hiding the good alcohol in the catacombs? What the heck? Yeah, I mean, it's I mean, amazing. Granted- so logically, nobody would know where to find it. Okay, anyway. look. Knowing where to find it versus where <laughs> I think you it's would so look funny for that it. we're both drunk. We need to do this every weekend. <laughs> we do. Apparently, this guy, Muggs, alcohol, blah. Yeah. He became confused and lost, and some people think he'd already been drinking when he entered the tunnels. Some people think he didn't even mean to go into the tunnels, and that he thought he was supposed to go somewhere else. Like us. Yeah. <laughs> and. Jeez. So, either way, yes, he got lost, and his body wasn't found until 11 years later when a group of cataphiles uncovered it. <laughs> I still can't with the cataphiles. I know, I know, I hate it. It's an awful name. I'm gonna say it multiple times. <laughs> multiple times. It's like, oh, worse, worse I love word cats, too. Could... <laughs> You're not special. <laughs> worst word it could ever be compared to. It's like pedophile. But, like, there's anglophiles. And I know. I feel like pedophiles has just ruined any file word. It really has. <laughs> You're so drunk. I am. It's fantastic. Oh, my God. Okay. Cataphiles. So, they only knew that it was him because of his hospital key ring on his belt. Like, he was so decomposed that they couldn't Oof. even tell. Yeah. But they saw his key ring. And he was buried in the catacombs exactly where he died, and there's a tombstone describing his death. Serious question, though. Yeah. Did he pay for those extra days at the, at the hotel, hospital? He was the doorman. Oh, okay. <laughs> I missed that. <laughs> <laughs> there's a legend. That says that every November 3rd, Philibert's ghost haunts the catacombs. I think maybe that's the day he died? Or is that just, like, around, like, the time when the veil between... Is short? I don't... It's um, not, it's not you clear. You did the research, not me. I couldn't find anything. It just said... It was like, he, he went in here, he died, he was found 11 years later, November 3rd. But it didn't say... Don't know. It's a special day for him. It's his anniversary. That's sad. Don't say that. Anyway. It's his death anniversary. Duh. Anyway, that was a long time ago. Yes. But it's not the only time that it's happened. Okay. Back in June of 2017, two teens aged 16 and 17 were rescued from the catacombs after being lost for three days in the pitch black tunnels. Oh. Poor babies. Three days. Poor babies. No, they were dumb. They went down there. I mean, they were dumb, but poor babies. Sure. They had to be taken to the hospital to be treated for hypothermia. Of course. Dehydration. And to be like, like, to be fair, nobody had gotten lost in the areas open to the public, so there's that, I guess. But... Valid. There, it seems crazy to me, there are so many entrances that are, aren't really that hard to get into. Like, a lot. 
hey grace you want to go to paris no <laughs> i don't that's where some of the most amount of cases are probably i don't know no, actually, I don't okay. know about France. Okay, with that many citizens, yeah, you're probably Probably. Right. Yeah. Anyway, the catacombs are believed to be one of the most haunted places on Earth. Visitors have reported the feeling of being touched when no one is near them, being followed, and some have even felt the sensation of being strangled. Uh. Yeah. Others why? have seen... I don't know. There's nothing to support this, but it's just a thing that people say. Okay. Uh, others have seen shadow figures and heard disembodied voices and footsteps and stuff like that. The most infamous thing you'll ever hear about having to do with the catacombs is, of course, camera footage. Yes. A, um, like the camera footage that's found deep in the tunnels. Yeah. <laughs> it was found in the 1990s by some cataphiles. Cataphiles. <laughs> Uh, it shows a <laughs> it shows um, a man walking around the tunnels, filming what he sees, never his own face. Yeah. Sometimes he stops to look at bones, and in some cases, bones laid out in the shape of arrows, and rooms full of bones covering the ground. Okay, that's yeah. concerning. After about forty minutes, you can sort of tell that something's changed. Like, mm-hmm. he's becoming afraid, his breathing patterns change, and then he starts running. Is he afraid because he's lost, or...? No one knows. It's okay. Nobody's sure if he... It's just that he's afraid because he's lost, or if he's afraid because he's being chased. Oh. Yeah. So, um, yeah, he's he starts uh, running. Occasionally, he stops to figure out which direction he's going to take moving further and further into the catacombs until at one point he drops the camera next to a puddle and just keeps running. Do we know if this guy is okay? Obviously the camera is okay because we found it, but is the guy okay? No one knows. Well, to that's this day, satisfying. I know. To this day, <laughs> nobody knows what happened to this man. The camera continued recording until it ran out of tape. Mm-hmm. Did it catch yeah, so, anything? No. Like, it's all nothing. And so you would think if somebody was, if they were being chased, right? Mm -hmm. Then you would think there would be somebody following them. But the thing is, you really can't tell if that, A, that's his only source of light. Yeah. And he just, because it it seems like it might be his only source of light. Like, you might have a a flashlight, but it's not going to last you very long down there. No. Unless you have, like, spare batteries with you. Right. Even then, like,. Those you can be in there so for a long. very long time. There's literally yeah. 400 miles of tunnels. Time to ration the batteries. So, um, French filmmaker Francis Friedland was given the tape by a cataphile and tried to figure out what happened to the man recording the video. He took the tape to another cataphile who was basically an expert. Like, he said, this man in catacombs that anybody in Paris. And Mm -hmm. that man said it looks like the person recording didn't know the tunnels very well, so they were probably an amateur cataphile. And a trespasser. They're all trespassers. Well, unless you're on the tour. Unless you're on the tour, which even then, I'm not sure that the tour should be a thing. 
But it's one of those things, like curious minds, because think about all the other stories that we that we have covered where people have been let in. That yeah. To in particular crime scenes that they should not have been let into. Oh, absolutely. And but I mean, this is even this is nineteen ninety. Like, and then yeah. even today, people are still doing it. Anyway. Oh, I would totally do it. Anyway. Francis went down to the tunnels to see for himself if he could find out what, like, what he could about the tape. They attempted to follow in the person's footsteps by keeping an eye out for any markings and paintings that he recorded. Because as you go through the tunnels, you'll see, like, dates and um, letters marked on the walls. And then Mm -hmm. there's a bunch of, like, graffiti art and stuff on the walls down there. Of course. Yeah. So, um, he took that cataphile with him who led them to the lower levels where, because of those markings on the wall, he could tell the man had been down there. Yeah. And this guy's like, I have no idea what this guy was thinking. He should not have been down there. No amateur should ever go down that far. Because they went... We'll get to it. You'll see. So far down. Okay. I'm glad you can read my, like, slightly drunk face that was a little delayed. (laughs) They get six miles into the catacombs and 297 feet below street level. That's the point where he's like, nobody should be down here that has not been down here many, many times and actually, like, knows the places and can, like, remember where to go. And he was like... This guy must have lost his way down some passage and died. Yeah. That's the only explanation. Like, I hope he is found. Like, I hope. Well, they were in there for six hours and they couldn't find anything. So they decided to um, leave because they felt like they had reached a dead end, you know. Yeah. So they made their way to a manhole that the cataphile knew about, but when they climbed up the ladder, it had been sealed shut. What the? No. Yeah. So Why? So, low batteries, they had to make their way back, but it came across this marking that was on the tape, this, like, um, art. It was a figure of a man painted in white, and so they followed it. And he was like, I remember seeing this, and right after this, he turned right. So I'm going to turn right right now. And okay. so as they continued going, they found the um, the arrows, the bones in the shape of an arrow. And then they found Ooh. the room full of bones that he walked through. Like, there's so many bones on the ground, you cannot see the floor. There's no ground. It is just... You, so people... They, he literally moved the bones out of the way to try to find the ground, and it went inches, and you could not see any ground. Bones. Just bones. Oh. Yeah. Okay. I don't like no. this. So, they eventually... I will not go that far. Obviously. They eventually made their way out after 12 hours, unable to continue without running out of battery power. Francis said at the end of this video that I watched that... It's likely they're never going to find out what happened to that... Um, they're never going to find that man's body Yeah. if he didn't make it out. Um, and if he did, nobody's ever come forward about it. And yeah. it's been a while. 
And he thinks that they will never find out what scared him so much that he would drop his camera and run. So has anyone else experienced anything or just some that guy just ran? Some people said they've seen figures and stuff like that, but they've never come across anything that far deep. It's really likely that people will just run into the wrong like tunnel and they'll get stuck mm-hmm. or they'll fall down a hole or they'll just lose their way and they won't be able to find their way out. They'll starve to death. Okay. I mean, not okay, but... But you understand. Yeah. Yep, I understand. And unfortunately, that is all they know about that guy. Yeah. Mm. In Okay. <laughs> there's more. Oh, there's more. Look, not about this guy. Not about this guy. My Just face in general. Yeah. Numb. So, in 2004, a group of police officers was exploring a part of the Paris catacombs that was restricted from public ask it. Ask ask. Ask ask. Ask Ugh. Police officers were exploring a part of the Paris catacombs that were restricted from public access when they found some weird-ass shit. Okay, what did they find? They found a PA system with pre-recorded guard dog barking noises. What? A 3,000-square-feet of gallery space wired with phones using pirated electricity. And... Wait, hold on. Yes. Phones? Yes. Phones. Okay. Cell phones or, like, rotary phones? 2004, so it's likely they're, like, landline. Regular phones. Landlines. Okay. Especially if you need to wire them, that is probably, like, landline. Um, Yeah. And several communal spaces, including a bar, a living area, a workshop, a lounge, and even a cinema. With 20 seats that have been carved into into the stones of the catacombs. I'm so sorry. I did not think you were going to say cinema. What did you think I was going to say? Sex dungeon? Some- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Okay. I'm so glad we were on the same page. <laughs> so, the creepiest part of all of that, though, was that the police noticed... That they were being recorded. Oh, yeah. the police were being there recorded. There were cameras mounted on the ceilings that were recording them. Yeah. A few days later, okay. the police returned with a larger team for further investigation. But every single thing they had discovered from the phone lines to the Paris catacomb cinema, the cameras, everything vanished. The only thing it's vanished. Like... The only thing they found was a note that read... No cherche pas, meaning don't search. Yeah. Totally search. (laughs) Please search. Also, I did watch the little Zach Biggins thing you told me about, the Netherworld Pierce Catacombs that came out in 2014, and it was not as bad as I thought it was going to be. In, you know, um, Ghost Adventures, you always think of him being this, like, loud, exuberant person, like, like, being like fuck you ghost like antagonizing awful look look that's why i told you if they actually find something 
They don't have to be so theatrical. Exactly. And that's like, over time, if you watch a ghost adventures, that's how you know that it's real. Because if it's fake, he'll be like, whoa, and overemphasize. But... They all will. Not exactly. just him, They all will. Yeah. Um. So, in this little documentary, it's one episode. Yes. In it, Zach goes to Paris and talks to Francis Friedland, that documentarian who went down into the tunnels. And I'm sorry, that's a children's book. Zach goes to Paris. Zach goes to Paris. And he talks to Francis Freeland, the documentarian who went down to the tunnels to find the, the missing man who recorded some stuff and blah blah blah. Anyway. It's like Harry Potter and blah 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 blah. Anyway. So Francis Friedland told Zach that he will absolutely never go back into the catacombs ever. I mean, same. I mean, I totally no. will, but same. <sighs> anyway, Zach. I have the documentary. Nothing. Zach, that damn, he loud. So Zach really wants to go down there, obviously, and he actually does go down there with the police escort, and um, they find. Wait, yes. with the police escort? Yes, I didn't know that he, he did, went down. He went with down the there escort. with the police escort, and they find they get to some really interesting places, and. They get you this one spot where there's this really large net. Yeah, a net. Why I, a net? So Why? it's sort of set up kind of like a trap that's been set up and then torn down. And the police, when he, I'm telling you, when he asks about it, there are holes in this net. He asks them about it and they're like, silent. They don't say <laughs> don't shit. Know. They're like, we don't know. We're not talking about it. Nothing. Yeah, no, no, and he's like, I think they're hiding something from me. <laughs> um. So, yeah, so they keep going until they end up getting lost. They get to a dead end. Do you expect anything else of that team? But, so, the police officer, she turns around and she's like, um, this isn't supposed to be a dead end, basically. She's like, we're lost. And he's like, we're, we're lost? <laughs> we're lost. <laughs> and she's like, yeah. <laughs> she's just like, yeah. Just yeah. like super chill I about mean, it. She's why? like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, why wouldn't we be lost? Why are you so surprised? <laughs> anyway. Why is anyway, this such a new Obviously, <laughs> they end up getting out. But he still wants to see the parts of the tunnels that aren't seen by anyone other than cataphiles. So he wants to go down there, right? But he doesn't have any, like, he cannot find anyone to take him down there until he has. Go figure! Right. Until he bumps into another paranormal investigator outside of his hotel who recognizes him. <laughs> yes. They're totally stalking Probably. Him. I've seen this episode, but they're totally stalking him. And I cannot remember her name, which I feel bad about. I can't. I know. Anyway, <laughs> um, so he's like, I want to get into the tunnels. Can you help me? And she's like, sure. And the first people she's, she talks to <laughs> doesn't work out. But she finds these two guys she's never even met to take them down into the tunnels. Um... Yeah. Yeah. That is true kind. Right. Waiting to happen, Nelly. You're gonna die. Yeah. (sighs) 
anyway, um, so they get down into the tunnels um, by breaking into like um, a manhole. Mm-hmm. It's great, um, and they actually bump into m- even more cataphiles who are having like a little get together down there. They're having a little shindig. They're, yeah, they're having a little party. They got some chips dip. They're good. So at first he's like, are our cataphiles fighting other cataphiles? What's going <laughs> on? And she's like, uh, yeah. And then they come back and they're like, there are other people yeah. here. They have a party and if you come through, you cannot record any of their faces. Oh, yeah. I remember this yeah. part. You have to point your cameras at the ground to because the ground. they are a yeah. very secretive group. You do not want to be, obviously because it's illegal. Well, yeah. Anyway. And the only person legally down there is the Ghost Adventures team because they've gotten the okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, no. No. They go down there illegally. They went down they there legally the first the time. The first yeah. time they went down legally. The second time they did not. <laughs> Semi. <laughs> anyway. So they go past this party. They go um, a couple miles into the tunnels and they set up some cameras once they're you know good distance away from everybody and everything yeah and they go to this room full of bones well the whole thing is full of bones the floor is covered with bones <laughs> the floor <laughs> the floor is covered with bones yes um and he was just so respectful during this whole thing that I partially feel bad for making fun of him every other time. I was ever made say, fun of him. Sometimes he is a grade A human being. Just a bit. Um but yeah he him and the other paranormal investigator were sitting in that room and they were trying to talk to some spirits and they had a moment that was pretty serious. They were both getting, like, emotional because there were so many bones everywhere. And to think that the people who died at least deserved a little bit of respect. Yeah. Um, that they're not getting being so Yeah, and they, they deserved a respectful burial. And they didn't get that. And that's pretty mm-hmm. sad. So, sitting there, they asked for a sign that something or someone was there with them. And there was this noise in, across the room. It sounded like something like snapping or falling onto the ground. But that's yeah. pretty much all that they got. Until they go to leave the catacombs. Of course. When they get to their cameras, all but one of them were gone. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that part. Yeah. Um, like, the cameras were near the ceiling, which in that area is pretty high for the catacombs. So it's harder for people to actually reach them. Mm-hmm. And there was nobody around them for miles that they knew of unless one of the party goers followed them. But it's likely that they would have heard people walking behind them. Okay, but I still think that the party goers are the reason that all of that expensive equipment just went missing. And it totally could be. But the thing is that, A, how would they know where to follow them specifically? And B, how would they not hear them? Because they're crafty little bastards, that's why. I don't know. I feel like they would it, have heard them. Especially the two guys that they were that were with them. Those guys seem like they would they would probably not deal with that shit. It's one of those things that like 
I remember the episode you're talking about because I remember their surprise at the end, like, oh, but one of our cameras disappeared, and it's like, well, how did that happen? Right. But they were literally miles away from that party, so they would have had to have followed them for miles in order to get those cameras and then bounced. And they very well might have, because that's But some, um... they would have had to pass this one camera to get to the other cameras. And they didn't pick oh. up anybody. Now that I did not know. Yes, there was one camera that they didn't get to, and it was before those two, I'm pretty sure. And, um... Anyway, there was this, uh, when they reviewed the footage of that camera, they, there was this, like, apparition in the corner that looked like someone walking and wearing a cloak. Yeah. Oh, yeah! Yeah, 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 now I remember. And, like, their body was pitch black, but the, Mm -hmm. like, outer edges was, like, a glowing aura, almost. Yeah. And it was pretty freaky to think that, like, someone or something else was down there with them, and they didn't even know it. Well, and that, that, it, that it was following them, too. Exactly. And I, I don't like that. Because you can't say that it wasn't following them if it right. just whoop. And so. he made some points. He was trying to say, like, make it seem like there was some sort of, like, a a weird demon living in the catacombs. He always does that. He always does that. But he, yeah, that's what his main thing was. He was trying to make it seem like there were ghosts, like ghosts of the architects that were trying to follow them or something, and that there was a demon, like, and that's what the trap was for, but it escaped or something like that. Yeah, I just think that that's creepy to, like, be somewhere and actually have people with you, and absolutely none of you hear anything happening around you. Yeah, um, that is really creepy. Yeah, there were some things that I left out because of, like, how long this big was getting, but uh, those were the bi- big things, and uh, that was the Catacombs of Paris. Oh my god. I hate that I'm reacting like that, but it's because I'm partially very drunk. No, um, I mean, you're probably right. I think it's a nice um, difference because normally I'm the skeptic one, and you're the one that's like, mmm. I mean, I think it's real, and normally I'm like the I don't think so. <laughs> I don't know. It's not the thing. So. I like how I'm flipping my imaginary hair because my hair's in a ponytail. <laughs> no, um, I, <gasps> that is one of the episodes actually of Ghost Adventures that I remember bits and pieces yeah. of from. When did you say it was? Two thousand. It was yeah. It was twenty fourteen, like, and it's not yeah, Ghost like Adventures, but ago. it's a um. I think it's a separate series that he did, because it's called something different. It's not um. Must have been like a spinoff. I think or something, it, because I remember yeah. I think it. it was a spinoff because it wasn't um, it wasn't titled Ghost Adventures. It was titled um, something the Nether World. Yeah, because they were like, and this is the only footage we have because our cameras were... Stolen. Yeah. Our cameras disappeared yeah. after... No, they didn't say stolen. Disappeared. Disappeared sounds cooler. <laughs> Hold on. Let me... It does. Alrighty. So, if you enjoyed that, even if you didn't, <laughs> this is becoming normal. I think that's our new thing. <laughs> it is. You can... 
follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Myths and Misfortunes or Twitter at Myths Misfortune. Or you can search for us using our full name, Myths and Misfortunes. We do pop up. You can also send us an email to mythsandmisfortunes at gmail.com. Our music was composed by McKean Fulbright, and our art was created by Heather Marie Atkins. Their websites can be found in the description below. And please, we implore you, rate, review, subscribe, especially on iTunes. It makes a huge difference, and we appreciate it. Yes, please. Also, we do have a website, mythsandmisfortunes.com, so you can also download any of our episodes there. Patreon? We do have a Patreon now. We are not necessarily live, but we are working on it. So, if you would like to help us get some new equipment, because we are having some minor technical difficulties. Some minor difficulties. (laughs) Please Um, keep an eye out for that. We will let you know as soon as it is live. And that will also be Myths and Misfortunes username. So, well, obviously not Myths and Misfortune username, but Myths (laughs) and Misfortunes. Okay, so thanks so much for listening, guys. Yes, goodbye. Bye-bye.